and uh, record. Hey everybody, this is Keith Sarlos and Michael Larson uh, back with uh, Sarlos and Sons. Uh, what are we calling this again? Book uh, report. Fear and failure, man. We're just we're diving right in with the good <laughs> oh, stuff. That's right. So this is, uh, I guess, chapter one: uh, fear and failure of the book report. So yeah. Keith Sarlos, Michael Larson, just to get everybody back up to speed. Um, we are writing a book and this is us bringing you on the process. This is us kind of answering more questions than maybe um, have been alluded to in both print and and speaking openly in front of large groups of people. Um, and Mike is putting together kind of the list and drawing it into a a bit of a consumable way to uh, eat this elephant. That's a really good way to put collection. It. You've called it, which I like. Oh, I like that. A collection, collection. of a collection of what though? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who That's knows? being determined right now. <laughs> right, yeah. Right now we're just filling the blender. We get, we'll hit the button later. Um, so yeah, uh, we got a couple of emails from people, which is actually pretty cool. Did you receive those two? I got one of them. Oh, perfect. So then yeah. that's uh, like 100% of what I got. Beautiful. So I'm pretty impressed. So if there's a question you want to have answered or you have a Sarlos uh, story that you want to share and have in the book, because that's what this book is about. It's not about us. It's really Sarlos and Sons is the collection of people. It's the family. And if you drink our wine, if you in, have in, opened a bottle and enjoyed it with another person, if you are listening to this podcast, you are 100% of the Sarlos family. So that's being said, Mike. Take it away. You've got questions. I've got answers. That's what we're hoping. That's what we're here for. I and, guess so. You know, that's what's funny. Like, like, so we we talk about you know it being about family and not about you. And I actually love it because last last week when we were chatting, you you kind of ended. You said the you said the thing that everybody was expecting. I'm excited to write this book, and then you're like, scratch that. I just no. lied to you all. That's uh, true. I'm apprehensive. I'm, you know, kind of freaked out about it. So that that actually got me to thinking, um, kind of talking about that those ideas, fear and failure. I think it's one of those things that a lot of people, you know, whether they're starting something, whether they're in uh, something, business, uh, whatever it might be, that mm -hmm. fear and kind of how that how that plays a role in things. And you've talked about it before, and so I know kind of enough uh, to be dangerous and kind of get us kicked off, but. Why that comment last week? Uh, I'm kind of, you know, freaked out, afraid of where this is going. Sure. Well, I think with anything, it's like uh, if, you, if you're going to, uh, you know, dance naked, you're going to be afraid. I don't care who you are. No, many, no matter how much you do it, no matter how much. And you can hear it in my voice already. I'm already stammering. Um, when you do anything and you're you're truly being honest or you're truly being exposed, you're going to be terrified that the little part of you that you kind of hide from everyone else that belongs to you, um, once you put that out in the sunlight, you know, it's going to light on fire. People are going to point. People are going to laugh. Everybody feels that way. Um, but failure in particular, and now I've gotten to a, I've, I've gotten to a point in my life now where I've, I'm not happy. But I would definitely say that I've gone through enough little things that the the wounds have become scars and the scars have become medals. And I think that that mindset of anybody, if you can look back and say, I you look back at failure with fondness, um, 
something right has happened. And along the line with Sarlos and Sons in particular, my father and I have said this many, many times that the only reason Sarlos and Sons is here is a response to failure. And that's typically what we have kind of become good at. We've become good at failing fast and then getting up off the mat really quickly and trying to figure out the best possible situation uh, in order to uh, come out of it better than we went in. So case in point, if I go back far enough, we have my great grandparents in the Great Depression leaving Iowa to come to California. If I look back far enough, if that doesn't happen, if they didn't fail in Iowa, there wouldn't be a Sarlos family in California. So that that one thing right there, I think, is if we look at our timelines or the decisions we make, those failures can lead to great successes in the future. Um, every girlfriend I've ever you know dumped me or I broke up with, those are considered failures, but they've led me to the point I am now with my wife and my family, which I'm really happy about. Um, another major failure is we've talked about it a few times, but when my old man bought the place on Ballard Canyon, it was an apple orchard and spent an entire year farming it. And the apples were terrible. You know, he thought he had them sold. Da, da, da. There's this great story goes down, you know, uh, picked all the apples on the back of a truck drives down. He is backing it into the, the dock, ready to unload it, you know, full of pride and sales. And all of a sudden, uh, the guy comes out and looks and says, uh, no, we're not taking any of this. And, and my dad said, no, 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 no. The, the CEO, he already looked at this stuff. He wants it. He goes, I don't care who said they want it, but that this is my job. I'm not taking any of this Jeez. and had to drive all the way back from, you know, Vernon. Uh, with the truck full of apples, got it back here, Porsche pushed it out on the ground, watched cattle eat an entire year of your work and your life. And, and really the beginning of like him moving here and saying, I want to grow something from the ground and raise cattle and him wanting to do that because my grandpa wanted to do it. Um, which is a whole other, you know, segment about, you know, whatever dad loves doing, um, your kids will fall in love with, you know, hmm. and, and that failure pushed us into tearing everything out, starting completely over and planting a vineyard. And my dad and I have, have laughed about it quite a bit where if it was a, if that vineyard, that property was a vineyard, he never would have bought it. Hmm. And ha which I always go back to and go, yeah, you're right. That it seems way outside the wheelhouse that, um, you know, apples are doable, but grapes, oh man, that's going to go into wine. That's going to, that's terrifying. And uh, by tearing it out and replanting it in grapes, uh, we've had we had a freeze go through, and and we lost twenty percent of our vineyard in a night. And our response to that, after a lot of crying and throwing up, was, well, let's see if people want a different varietal. And we bud grafted um, to Grenache, and we always wanted to plant Grenache. What it, what it did for our vineyard was took all the people that were buying Syrah from us and kind of compress them into a, a smaller area. So we had a waiting list of people who wanted to buy fruit. Um, we bud grafted that over into Grenache. And by the end of that day, we had contracts out and verbal agreements to, with wineries that said, yeah, we'll buy everything you could grow in Grenache for the next four years. 
And that, I mean, and I could keep going with story after story, which is every time anything happens, uh, another one is uh, uh, we had 40 tons of cab, our first harvest that no one wanted to buy from us because it was unplanned. It was a vineyard that no one had ever really gotten great fruit from. We bought it, tore it out, replanted it. This cab was coming online. We had 40 tons of cab and no one to buy it. And that forced, that's a failure, right? But it forced us into picking it all because we weren't going to let it hit the ground, made it into wine. And then all of a sudden we had to have a place for it to go, which kind of shoved us again into opening a tasting room and moving forward. Um, I moved here, uh, for a coffee shop, you know, to raise my kids and, uh, kept beating my face against the wall, had two, two shops. My wife had uh, a spa and what is now the tasting room. The economy just explodes in 2008, uh, one little kid and another one on the way. And I was a failure, you know, I, I couldn't provide for my family and, if everything was going pretty good, I, w- I wouldn't have been forced into opening the tasting room to, to feed people. And that, that failure piece of it, it stings and it, it hurts bad when you're going through it. Like it bad. I, there's no one that hates to lose more than me. Um, everybody in my family hates to lose. We, we take it very personally. And it takes a while to shake off. But that failure piece of it, what I have come to learn now and a few years later, is that those rock bottoms are the things that propel you much further than if you were just getting by. Um, that's a long diatribe there. But no, that that's that's good. But uh, and I'm gonna back I'm gonna back yeah. you up for a minute because Please. so here you know in retrospect all, all of these failures now you can see you know hindsight's twenty twenty of course sure if if sure. this you know if we, went, we didn't fail at apples we wouldn't be here today all of those types of things but you kind of talked for a brief minute but where I feel like most people don't linger very long is where you said it stings oh it yeah hurts. and so you know when people are in failure. I, I think you've got you got probably a few responses. One is kind of just you know lay down and die. Uh, two is you know grit your teeth and and move on. I guess three is feel sorry for yourself. Whatever they may be. Yeah. But but where I feel like um, you know because of the failures that you're describing and in your industry, I mean these were significant failures. Oh, these are these uh, are pack your shit and go home failures. Totally. So so. Because I I am confident that somebody listening will say, Keith, that's where I'm at. And so it doesn't Mm. help as much saying, hey, in 10 years, you'll feel good about this. So, okay. So they're in it. They've just failed. They're about to fail or they feel like they're a failure. Talk about that and what it was like for you and, you know, give some inspiration, give some encouragement, give some, some logistics, how to get themselves out. Well, uh, the darkest here, I'll I'll go for the darkest one, you know, the darkest point of failure is for someone who doesn't expect to fail is uh, unbelievably earth shattering. And if you're, when you're a person that uh, expects to hit home runs and you are faced with failure, that, that can 
change you. I mean, if, if you look at a, a boxer, a boxer is a great example. They can be 30 and 0 going for the heavyweight, you know, championship title. They get beat and they never come back. You yeah. know, that one loss shook them to the core and they're done and they are a shell. For me, I got down to like the lowest point I've ever got down to, you know, my own, my personal rock bottom. And my mindset was pretty, you know, terrifying. I was looking at, you know, I had a kid on the way. I had a kid. I'm not making it. We're, you know, we're drowning as a family. Um, And when I mean my family, my wife and I. And I was so pissed off and and losing it that I, I go, I just don't know what to do. I don't know my next move. And you get that paralysis of fear because you will either decide that, yes, I am a failure and just wear that. And all of a sudden from that day on, you're, you feel like a failure. You've called yourself a failure. You have admitted everybody else is right. And that's, that's tough. And I think everybody has to get to a point where they face a lot of that decision. Um, but for me, I remember where I was and what I was doing and where I was sitting. And I realized that I, a number one had to shed any, any sense of self entitlement I had, I had to pull the person I thought I was, you know, out of the truck with me and shoot him in the head. And the person after that day was now a totally different person. My mom, I have found out later has prayed both of her boys for both of her boys to be humble, which is a terrifyingly horrible thing to pray for. It really is. It's like, because that's like, that's like praying for patience. Totally. You know, you're going to, that's going to show up. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, great. I'm going to, someone's going to teach me patience or teach you humility. And I think both my brother and I have gone through it in two different ways, but very similar where when you shed the entitlement, when you shed all the people that you're supposed to be. Um, then you have an opportunity to succeed at the person you should be. And everybody, and I think that's a common piece of things as it works forward, that, hold on a second. Can I call you? All right. Sorry, Heath, my buddy walked in. Um, And I think that the one aspect of that figuring out you know, shedding who you are supposed to be or who you've conjured in your head that you were meant to be since you were a kid. You know, people have like, oh, I'm going to be a professional baseball player. I've seen that with my brother many times where people chasing this dream all the way down and then they are minor league quality and they never make the big show and that's it. Game over. They have, there is no plan B. I don't know what I'm going to do. And they just, uh, they're a bouncer at a bar for the rest of their life. And not that that's bad, but it's the, the dreams versus reality are two different things. So I'm rambling, but I'll get to the point because it's scary to talk about. 
once you hit that rock bottom, once you have been humbled, once you realize that nothing you're going to do is going to work. For me, it was picking this thing. It was picking this tasting room, this wine, this, this thing that my wife said, well, you know, like my mom said, well, tear out the apples and plant grapes really, you know, off the cuff. My wife said, you know, people seem to like the wine. Why don't you do more of that? And making that decision to go was one of the most groundbreaking things that's ever happened to me in my life. I didn't take a year day off for years. I said, either we're going to succeed or this thing is going to kill me. Um, the, the steadfast, no, I got to do this. I, I have to make this work. This has to work. The, I had this had to succeed like I was being held under the underwater and had to breathe. Hmm. Those are the things. And honestly, to have all of those things line up in such a way that uh, coffee shops are failing because gas is now four bucks a gallon. And, you know, that's the first thing people were cutting off their list. Uh, spas, all of that kind of stuff. Every, you know, the economy's going down, nobody's traveling. Da, da, da. And having all of that coalesce with, oh my gosh, we have 40 tons of cab. Oh my gosh, we have this. And and those are terrifying, terrifying things. But you know, once you get done chewing through everything that you have to do to succeed or to get it get the work done, that that is always the difference between success and failure. You know, it, it's 40 tons of, of grapes hanging in, in a vineyard with no home is a problem. If you pick it and turn it into wine, you've maybe made an opportunity and then it's, what are you going to do about it? And that's not a golden bullet for anybody that's going through anything. It's not anything other than, you know, Oh, well you did it. There's probably a bunch of people who, you know, gone through similar things and didn't make it, you know, and I'll, I'll totally agree with you. But I had the support of, a, of my wife and my family. I had a reason to do it with two kids. I had uh, a family who didn't think I was a failure. So my job was to focus and run and run as hard as I could. And to me, hitting that rock bottom was probably the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Because now... Uh, I know what rock bottom is for me. Uh, I know I don't want to go back there, which is pretty much why I still work six days a week, you know, and don't really like vacations all that much because I don't want to go back to that place ever again. It's almost like, you know, everybody's got a tequila story or whatever, pick your drink of choice that they're like, I can't drink that anymore because I drank it once and puked my brains out for two days. And for me, I know more people that are actually that, you know, that are the re real successes. I'm not a real success. I mean, they are a real success that have picked themselves up off the ground. I mean... We're too dumb. I think me and my dad said it a bunch of times. We're too dumb to quit. And by being too dumb to quit, 
and having a reason to get up, and go to work. I mean, that's, that's a big re that's a big reason. The name is Sarles and sons. It was when I had nothing, I had my family and my uncles are part of that. My, my cousins are now part of that. My, my folks. Um, and it's an homage to them. Yeah. And, and, and the family's expanded, you know, I mean, that, yeah. that's, that's why we're here and that's what you, how, how you guys describe anybody. That, I don't know if I, did I answer that whole thing very well, by the way, yeah, it was it, around, it, it was wobbling around there for a while. All, all good. And, and here, <laughs> here's what I actually like that maybe you unintentionally did or, or maybe not, but what's that? The, so, so people talk about failure stories. Yeah. And I think, I think the, the very common thing is, and then I picked myself up. And then I just did it. Oh. And that's, and that's a part of it. And you said yeah. that there's grit, there's perseverance, there's work. But I think that you did two things in that one there in both accounts. So funny because in both accounts of uh, apples and the tasting or, or selling, selling your wine in both accounts, it wasn't actually strategic. It was just kind of like, well, let's give this a shot. Hey, not oh. apples, let's do grapes. A hundred percent. And, and then, hey, we've got this. We've got these grapes. Let's make wine with it. And so sometimes we overthink it, right? We've just failed, and now it's like, well, what's that next step? And, and you just took one, you know. And, and in both cases, what I love even more is that it was it was the women in your family that said, "This, let's do this." And so I kind of wanted you to talk in failure the importance of community. And you alluded to it. Hey, I've got family, and I've got. Oh yeah. You know, but but I think a lot of people in failure just say, "Hey, I'm going to pick myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to do this all myself." That's not that's not how it went. No, and I, and I think that's a very scary place to be because then all of a sudden you're putting yourself on an island. You're already feeling like shit. You um, and now you're isolating yourself, and that that never goes well. You know, that's when you can really get into the darkest corners of your mind and and believe the things that you're saying to yourself. Everybody needs people that are on the outside that go, oh, man, you've been through that. It, what, oh, you, you'll be fine. Don't worry. A little bit of time. Da, da, da. But you have once you say that out loud, you have people that are cheering for you. Yeah. You know, letting people know you're drowning is an OK thing to do. And it's actually a really smart thing to do, because then the person sitting on the side that actually can help you has the opportunity to help you. If you're looking for a job, don't be quiet about it. Tell as many people as you possibly can and be the best person you possibly can because people want to hire people not only they like, people they believe in, but people that are out there, you know, unabashedly going, hey, yep, I'm looking for a new job. I'm totally looking for a new opportunity. I'm looking for a new career. I'm I getting after it because that person walking through your door that's up upbeat and has tools and says, I'm ready to dig. Where do I dig? Show me what to do. I can't wait to do it. Those are the people you hire. I, we were just at the, the parade thing and like all the kids that are in 4-H, I always, I go, if you see 4-H on a uh, application, hire that kid, hire him. <laughs> hire him because that kid will, will uh, has birthed a cow. That kid has got their hands super dirty and picked up crap and done some stuff that maybe you wouldn't like to do, but they went, shoot, I'll do that because they're not above it. They're not below it, but they're also the people that go, oh, I've been through that. Great. I would like to do this instead. Maybe um, hire that person because they will show up. They'll be on time. They are awesome people because, you know, you don't give your life over to taking care of animals and, and, and that whole you know, the show that goes along with it, if you don't have a heart for really, a, you know, a work ethic, but you also believe in what you're doing. 
those are unbelievable kids to hire. I yeah. always believe in those. Totally. My kids are not 4-H kids either, by the way. So even so, even in the bottom of of kind of that pit of failure, where yeah. you're you know you're struggling, and you're not sure what to do. I, I mean, we overthink it a lot of times. But you're saying even just movement, uh, you just doing something ends up being some, you're you're creating some sort of uh, connections with other people that may turn into something. You're creating ideas just because you're Absolutely. not stuck. And I think the the even even the bigger piece of that is if you sit inside a closed house you know windows drawn tv on not moving um you're never you're you're never going to kick start the engine you know yeah. every car that like i drive an old truck but it starts every time because the engine keeps moving right and not to be rah rah because i know people that have like you know i'm i'm a white man in america i'm born on second base let's just let's be honest sure. about that right but I, there are people that have it way worse than me. I mean, way worse. Even my rock bottom, I, there's people on a daily basis. It's worse. And I'm never going to say that, uh, oh, I was, it was way worse for me than you. That's not true. The piece that I think is really is the difference maker is the people who get out there and hustle and the people who get out there and move forward and push their little rock ahead two inches today. Right. My dad and I talk about that all the time. It's like, how far do you push your rock today? Hmm. Do you get it two inches? Sometimes it's, it rolls back on you. Sometimes it slides two feet, but you need two inches. You know, if we can move this thing forward just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. And then you look back in 10 years, you go, holy cow. Look at, look how far we've come. Mm -hmm. You know, that is the bits and pieces that make things happen. And I, I'm not saying I have any of the answers, but what I am saying is if you are interested in something, get more interested in it, get, because I am what's like, I always like to say, I'm a generalist. And what I mean by a generalist is I like everything and I want to know a little bit about everything. Yeah. I'm no expert in anything, but I'm, I know enough to be, uh, dangerous, right? So if my computer breaks or my wife's computer breaks, she can come in. She's like, my computer's not started. My buddy Tommy was here. He's like, hold these three keys down because he is in IT. It started back up. and But then I knew what to do after that, right? You look like the genius. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah, he looks, he's the genius of knowing that three key code. But then when he gets back, I'm like, okay, how am I going to streamline your computer so this is never going to break again? I'm dangerous enough at that point. Yeah. Um, when we started doing labels, I didn't have enough money to pay someone to design labels. So I, I taught myself illustrator because of friends who had a design business that I was always interested in what they were doing. Hmm. Um, as my wife says, everything I'm doing now is the culmination of everything I was kind of interested in over the course of 30 years. Right. Yep. Coming all and together. It is. And it is coming all together. Cool. And I think there's so much now we're going to get back to the failure piece of it. Yes. Have people around to talk to be very vocal about what you're going through because people will run to your aid. You know, people will run towards you in time of crisis. The right people will run towards you in a type of crisis. 
those, you know, everybody in their life has their first responders that will show up and say, what can we do to help? And then hopefully they're the people that go, Hey, this kid, this guy over here is looking for a job. This girl over here is looking for a job or this, you know, this, they're going through this hard thing. Oh, come to our house, eat dinner. Let's get you out of the, the seclusion, right? There's tons and tons of things like that. But when you are out there and you're creating, you know, movement, if you're interested in something and all of a sudden you find yourself with more time on your hands than maybe you want, Mm -hmm. it's like, start doing things, you know, oh, you're interested in uh, Adobe Illustrator or designing something pretty good time to just sit in front of a computer and watch YouTube. And then at the end of the day, go, I made that. You know, Mm -hmm. that's a win. That's just, it's a stupid thing to say, but everybody wants wins. And the Sarlos and Sons, you know, the people who are around here, the building, all the the vineyards, everything is people that are just compiling very, very small wins. And Mm. that, you know, the grape analogy is easy. It's like one, there's one grape. uh, Does that make a bottle of wine? No. Does a, does a cluster? No. Does one vine? No. Does a, does a vineyard? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's that adding those little bits and pieces together and piling them on. And pretty soon you're, you're kind of standing on top of your own rocks going, oh, I didn't think I was going to make it out of that hole. Yeah. But I'm in a different place today than when I fell into the hole. And maybe that's the goal. You know, I, I have so many people I know that, you know, will live two inches above rock bottom without hitting rock bottom. Yeah. And... That, that to me is so much more dangerous than just taking it in the teeth. It's like get punched in the mouth, lose a tooth, get up, start over and, and start over, yeah. you know, start, start chopping more wood, move your rock. All right. So this one, this one will put you on the spot. Then oh, no. look, looking back over the last, I mean, I guess it could be over the last 10 years, even beyond that, but I can't believe well, I agreed to this. What kind of idiot would do this? Great. What a moron. What's uh what's, what's the failure that you look back and you say that was, that was the most painful one. Oh, I think the most, the, uh, I think the biggest failure I ever had was when I, um, I would, I would second guess. I, I, how should I say it in the right way? I didn't love myself at all. Hmm. So my failure was to recognize that other people around me uh, still cared about me because I was so down on myself for, for, for a stupid little stupid thing like, like work or money. Right. Yeah. That to the point where, I w I couldn't, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it coming in. You know, I couldn't, everybody else was there. Like I said, look for the people that are running at you. You know, I had a wife and kids and parents and, you know, uh, close family friends that I was, you know, trying to work my way out of a hole and I was just getting deeper and deeper and not seeing that they were there waiting for me to ask for help, I think is a good way to put it. Yeah. And not, not in any way other than just saying, I don't know what we're going to do. 
I mean, just saying that out loud. Yeah. It's kind of like my, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't like I was, I turned to drinking or drugs or anything like that, but it's like, but I am really bad at hiding how I feel. Sure. And my, as my wife says, it's like smoke. It's I'm, or she said, I'm very effective where if I walk into a room and I'm in a good mood, the room will go up. If I am in a back bad mood, it will feel, fill that room with smoke. And that's a powerful thing. And my, I think my greatest failure was not just, um, it's the thing I'm, I'm preaching everybody to do now, I guess is a good way to put it. Totally. It's, it's saying, look for, keep your head up, look at other people say, uh, this is going wrong. I don't know what to do. What should I do? Do you have any advice? Um, I'm putting myself out there. And I think that's the thing. It's, it's the putting yourself out there piece of it that is so uncomfortable. It's why I'm squirming in my chair right now because (laughs) putting yourself out there is an uncomfortable thing to do. Everybody has parts of themselves they're ashamed of parts of themselves. They think don't measure up and parts of themselves that, they, you know, we live in a society now where everybody has their 15 minutes of fame and their human highlight reel and putting out the failures is not really something we have become accustomed to anymore. And even with, you know, even if you're religious in a church, if, if you are going through something really bad or you are failing, even now people don't feel like, oh, I should expose that to the other people in my church because they'll be the first people to turn, turn their backs on me or whatever, right? This facade of everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine is, you know, will kill you. That's yeah. what that's that's how cancer grows. Yeah. But if you can expose the cancer or expose the failure, expose the thing you're going through to the light of day and and look at it and go, "Okay, if I don't cut off this finger, it could kill the rest of me." You got to cut off the finger. And that's easier said than done. But that's also something that is coupled with patience and coupled with maybe getting a little older and, and looking back far enough. And, you know, when the guns go off or the, the failure bombs get dropped, you don't, you don't shudder anymore. Yeah, that's good. It, it, okay. So, and you kind of said it in there, which I love because this is really the theme of, of uh, Sarlis and Sons with the book for sure is the idea of even connecting over those failures, but, and I guess the sharing of those failures. Oh yeah. What what have you seen? How how have you seen people uh, reach out to you or community kind of impact because you said, yeah, guys, I was, I was a, you know, failed apple farmer and then I was a failed this and I was a failed that. And and I've got a string of failures and Oh, by the way, which I love you, you said this, I don't know when, but every beautiful thing I have in my life, is because I failed at something else and kind of that's, un- yeah. stigma that we have, right? That failure is absolutely bad and, and we cannot do it. So we're so careful to not fail and then we don't end up doing anything great. So kind of talk to those that what connections have you made with people because you've either because of your failures or because of the openness that you've had about them? What we're doing right now. I think that's the best possible example of it. It's like my uh, freshman high school teacher I thought I could write. I thought I was creative enough to write and I would put something out there. And she literally told me once, like, you should not write. Oh, geez. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and that was it. And I didn't like write anything for wow. 
pretty much until Instagram or, or Facebook or whatever. It was honestly, it was probably 20 years, man. And, and it was like, okay, really? Okay. Well, you, you're a teacher, so you must know what you're talking right, about. Right. Um, which is, you know, that one act has me on a school board now because I'm like, I want to make sure we're not doing that. Right. Uh, but when, when I think of failures, I like, I am, I'm a ball of failure that just seems to be rolling downhill, you know, picking up speed, which is a really terrifying <laughs> thing to say. But the best part of that is I'm not afraid of it anymore. Yeah. You know, cause failure has killed so many more dreams than, than, you know, failure, like true failure ever could because the person that goes, Oh, I want to do this. And somebody says, uh, Nah, that probably won't work. Or you have the whole group of you shouldas, like yeah. you should have done this. You know, I go back to thinking about the uh, the man, you know, the man in the arena uh, piece of it, which we should probably, you know, print and put in there. But Teddy Roosevelt, it's there's a lot of people up in the stands, right? And there's a lot of people circling and looking down on that field and saying what you should do. Mm-hmm. And and there's going to be a winner on that field and there's going to be a loser on that field and everybody's going to see it. And if you're going to be one or the other, right. But truthfully, it's the people that are down there on the field that are covered in sweat and blood and dirt and everything else that are actually living. They're actually putting it out there. They're getting up every day with some sort of weird possession charge of i've got to move a rock i've got to do something i've got to get out there and get into the mix um the whole cash hat became because of that because he wanted something with somebody else's name on it and i said you know our family cheers for people with our name on a field if you're not on the field there's no reason to have that have people on a field affect your mood Hmm. right If, if your team if you have a team and you say we but you've never played on that team of you. You've never got a check from that team. Don't say we say they, you know, that's right. entertainment that has nothing to do with your life. No one should get in a fist fight or feel bad about their day because a bunch of other people that get paid a lot of money feel lost a game that <laughs> they will go out to dinner with the other team where you will fight the other team. It's right. like, no, you know, I've seen enough of that with through my brother. Right. It's like, oh, we lost. Well, you know, I didn't have a good game, but I'll go to dinner with them because I played college, you know, college baseball mm-hmm. with that guy. Right. I don't hate them. I they're my friends. We just played a game. They have it, you know, thought through. But, you know, with cash, it's like, oh, I want this. It's like, nah, let's make it, you know. So we went and, and made a hat. For me, going back to the, you know, the question again, the the failures that have balled up together have moved us forward and it has not made us scared to get out there and throw it all the way out. And, and for me, the, the person who, who got out of the truck that day after shooting who he thought he was supposed to be in the head was a blank canvas. And I said, well, every day from today on, I'm going to live it all the way out there. I'm going to be terrified of everything I do, but pretty soon it might feel normal. And 
it's like the person who gets out there and walks the first mile and then maybe, uh, you know, jogs a quarter of it the next day and they're piling wins up and then I'm going to run a marathon. Yep. And then they run a marathon and then they're like, this is our pace now. Yeah. All right. So, but so. in the, yeah, I was just going to say in the bigger scheme of that, again, those things I think can become contagious. Totally. And, and when you're really honest with people, they, you, or, you know, I'm too honest, too quick, usually, which people go and, and, and I'm funny. I, I try to be funny and I'm too, and I'm honest and quick. So I basically as funny as like a, a junior high girl where it's like they make a joke, <laughs> but it's like super cutting, you know, and it was, it was like way too close to being real. So I do that a lot, Perfect. which doesn't make anybody happy. But um, every one of my good friends, I mean, it's like, yeah, you you went through the fire at one point, and we got to a place where we're, we've been open, we've been all the way out there together, and that's where that's my comfort level now. You know, that's the comfort level is there's a pretty big wall, pretty far out, and but once you get inside of it, it gets. Uh, pretty scary pretty quickly i think is a good way to put it well and so so most of the time we've been talking about failure and i think yeah i think that's good the other side um you know and i think we all often interchange them fear and failure probably because mm. we so often uh, it's this it is the same thing we fear failure so bad right and and we don't we aren't well, actually fearing fear keeps fear keeps us alive right sure totally it, and and I think that's when why it makes such a correlation. It's like if you see a big scary animal, you you want to run run away, right? You know, because you're fearful. But that also keeps you alive. I also think exactly what you're talking about. The fear of failing is something that will keep us safe. And we live in a time where being safe is key, yeah. right? Where we'll give up any level of freedom possible. In order to be safe. Yep. And safe it, to me is is like being a C student, right? It's like either fail or get an A. Pick mm. pick one. You know, C is like you're barely existing. Either go to class or don't. And that has become a I think a key piece of it where the people I know who are uh fearless or calculating fear or actually try to put themselves in situations where they feel alive that that's an addictive drug. Yeah. Uh, that's a big one. You know, people say it's adrenaline junkies. I can understand that to a certain place, but then there are other people that do that with, with every aspect of their life. They want to, they want to get past the bullshit. They want to scrape off the icing and get to the meat of what they're going, what they want to talk about. That's, that's, that's who my wife is in a nutshell. Mm. My wife hates frosting. She hates fluff, you know, if that's happening, it's like, well, it's what a waste of time. Right. It's like she wants to plunge her hands into the middle of the cake and pull out what's ever in the, in the heart of it. Um, but that, yeah, that's, that is that fear based, that fear based mentality is I think who we are now, man. I think there's a, a lot of that going on and it's the people who break out of it have the best opportunity for success. They're not going to succeed maybe their first time, yeah. but they have a better opportunity for success. I, and, and they get to truly be an original, yeah. which is another crazy part of it. Right. You know? 
So how, how, how do you get to the point where you say fear feels normal? That's what you said. Fear, fear now yeah. to you feels normal. So it's, it isn't the elimination of fear. Oh, Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm whatever it is. Once I have no fear, it's normalizing. Hey, it's always going to be there on my shoulder and, and, and yet I'm going to keep going. Yeah. That, I think that's a, that's a, if you be, if I always say you look at old, like old farmers, you know, old farmers are great. And I've learned more from those guys than probably anybody else because they've seen some shit. You know, they've gone through the worst times. They've gone through really good times. They rarely go to Vegas because their life is a gamble constantly. And when you're, when I was be shaky and be like, I don't know, they're like, don't worry about it. You'll get through this. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Work hard, prepare, don't worry because action will replace the worry. Yeah. If you get out and, you know, I'm worried about doing my taxes. Okay, great. Why don't you just get all your shit out and start going through it and chewing through the end, other end of it? Because the anticipation of fear is the, the thing that usually, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm anxiety ridden every day. Right. You know, I wake up in the morning, chock like to the brim, chock full of anxiety. And everything I do in my life throughout the day, is to burn as much of that anxiety off as I possibly can. It's like, okay, there's a pile of wood over there. We're going to burn it all. Hmm. And by the end of the day, I fall asleep like a baby because I got through everything. I moved forward. I went, uh, you know, we moved the rock. We did all of the things I was just talking about, but I'm not going to sit there and stare at the pile. Yeah. And I'm going to burn it. It's like we have to burn all of this because the pile will be bigger tomorrow if we don't burn it today. Totally. And uh, that's my fear pile because, like, you look at all of this stuff. Why would I do a podcast? This seems like the most, you know, especially doing it with you. It's like, oh, I'm going to ask. I'm going to let somebody ask me, like, invasive <laughs> questions about my life, and then I'm going to record it, and then I'm going to put it out there like I'm cool with it. That's insane. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know. Here we are. The boat. It's like the boat is out. The ship has sailed, man. Um, right. That's, but it, that's the key. It's like, I can't think of a worse life than being in a cubicle. Like, you know, you watch the office and the office is com- comfort food, but I also look at it and they, the set doesn't change. Sure. And the people don't change. And, and, there's a new crisis like it, but that's a comfort show. That show is made to make you feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and people fall asleep to it at night. And I like, it's a funny show, but that's not that. It shouldn't be how life is. Life should be as terrifying as possible because currently we're living in the best time ever to be alive. If you want to publish something on the internet, Anybody can go find it. You don't have to be a huge company with a, a big studio to we bought. Look at us, man. We have two headphones on. We're sitting down with two mics that cost a hundred bucks. Right. And we're recording a bunch of stuff that Jaime Macias found and said, oh, this is the best way to do it because he's a genius. And we're going to put it out there. We don't have to be big to be powerful. And if you have a thing where you're like, oh, I've been thinking about doing it. It's like, do the thing. Yeah. Like start, make your thing, start your thing because it might fail and it might explode, but it, but the thing you're building is not you. Yeah. And that's the other big piece because 
like, you know, Sarlos and Sons, I keep saying it's not me, right? There's a huge amount of it that I love that I've built that I feel like is me. But if, if, you know, if I hit the hit the lottery tomorrow and all of a sudden a big, huge truck of money just shows up and it's like, you never have to go to work again. I would still, I would still do this. Yeah. You know, I still love what I'm doing and maybe our, our tools would get really nice, sure. you know, quite honestly, but in general, if someone on, if someone came up to me with a magic wand and said, Hey, uh, there's a better way that you'll enjoy more mm -hmm. to take care of your family, but you have to give up Sarlos and sons. The answer. Okay, sure. Mm -hmm. No problem. Because it isn't who I am. You know, the people, the people that came along, my children, my wife, my mom and dad, my family, my cousins, all everybody, you know, with our name on it, those are, that's who we are. You know, everybody who, comes in here and enjoys our wine and, and, and has pushed us in, in different directions to be better. They are the family, right? That's the part. Wine is the byproduct of what we do. And if you're that person that your audience will find you, because I know we're covering a lot of ground here, but it's like, you only need, you know, start with 30 people. And if those pretty 30 people are like, dude, this is really good. I like it. This is awesome. I want to buy one, you know, turn three 30 into 300 and turn 300 into 3000. And if you can get to 30,000 people who are really impressed by what you do, you can make a living off of it the yeah. rest of your life. Yeah. And I think you're right. That's a, this one's fear and failure. That one's slow and steady. You know, that's a, that's a whole, yeah. that's a whole episode there. Um, all right. I do, I do have one, one other kind of uh, question here about fear as people, okay. as people are drawn to you, because I think in part, because you've done it afraid and you're doing cool things <laughs> and drawing people together and, and fear has been normalized. What do you see most people are afraid of? Um, usually the call up to the big leagues. Hmm. I think everybody can be, you know, comfortable in high school ball or whatever. Um, I think everybody can be comfortable, you know, Ooh, a little collegiate level, maybe some minors, but when, when, when the pros call, when, when you sit there and stare in the mirror and honestly say to yourself, I do not think I have what it takes. You know, that happens many, 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 many times as it elevates or as you're passionate about what you do. I know a lot of people that won't do the thing they love for work because they don't want to ruin it, hmm. which I respect, but you're cutting out a huge percentage of your life. You know, that, that somebody you're trading your hours for money so you can do your other thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But when you get the call to the big leagues, that's a, I, I think everybody's afraid of that. But then there are people that go, you know, there's, you have to have absolute like crippling self doubt to keep you moving forward every day. <laughs> and then absolute, like it's a Venn diagram. I have it both. You know, it's like, what do you, you have to be an absolute narcissist to think you can do it. And you have to have crippling self-doubt to keep you 
trying to do yes. it. You know, that's me. I mean, it's like the little circles like barely cross and that's where I live. The sweet like, spot. Complete. Oh yeah. It's like, I am like watching my brother pitch, uh, in a, in a stadium, right. Nationally. Like he was out there on a mound. People are looking at him. He made it. Yeah. And I, and he threw it and he was hard and he was focused and he was determined and everything like that. And I got off. I go, how'd you feel? He goes, it's pretty scary. Yeah. But I, but he went out and did it, you know? And I think that's, that's the part that when I looked at him, you know, growing up and I saw him kind of catapult forward, I was pissed. And I go, I get, I got to beat this kid. You know, I got to get to my Dodger stadium. Yeah. I got to get to my place where I want to be on the mound. I want to be throwing the ball and I want to win. And I, you, <laughs> Going back to that, the the self doubt going, you'll never make it, you know, because I have that voice is very loud in my head. Mm-hmm. Going, you suck. You'll never be able to do it. Why would anybody come? Uh, you know, Katie, who works for me, she's heard it for ten years. I go, it's over, it's over. No one's going to come in this weekend. That's it. We're done. <laughs> we're sh- we're shut it down. You know, right? But but the fear piece of it is, it, you know. <laughs> is the thing that keeps you moving forward. Cause if you're like, no, I'm going to go in there. I'm still scared, but I'm going to go. Yeah. The, the, the call to the big leagues, I think is got to be the most. You become, you, you have to soul search, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, I don't think a lot of people like what they find when they, they soul search. Um, you know, I know my demons by name. I know what they're, I know my problems. Right. I know, I know who, who sits in the front row and yells at me. And the, you're like, just shut up. You're like, I'll deal with you later. Right. You know, let me go out and do this thing. You negotiate with your demons and, and you run out and say, okay, I will deal with you later. Let me go do this thing. When I come back, you can tear me to shreds. I don't care. Right. Um, that That's always the key. Because I, I could think of, like, even right now in my head, I'm thinking about the people who are living all the way out there and yeah, it's, it's terrifying, but I see it, you know, and I see the people that are throwing the dice and going, shit, man, I don't want to be poor. You know, it, maybe that's in work. I don't want to be poor. I grew up poor. I don't want to be poor. I'm going to do whatever I can not to be. And, and if you can couple that drive with being a good person, mm-hmm. that's where, that's where I think you really start succeeding. Because everybody thinks like, oh, I want to be greedy. I need to keep this for myself. Um, it's mine, mine, mine. You know, the Daffy Duck thing where yeah. he's just running around grabbing all the gold kind of a thing. If When you start living like, okay, I need to achieve, but then you also start living selflessly. You get this great feeling of, oh, wow, I'm so glad we have this place for other people to work that can provide them jobs that they like doing. Yeah. And that, you know, it's, you were out vineyard day. That's a great, it's like, okay, we, we capped it at 200. We should have had more, but we want to make sure the people that are there are well taken care of. Right. But that, that, that event should only be a hundred people. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we're like, but we let 200 in and the tables are super long. Right. And, you know, let's, let's do that. That's what it becomes great. You know, that's when an event or a job or a thing you're doing starts losing the bravado 
of um, this is me. I built this. Ain't I great? And starts becoming the 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 house everybody runs to hang out at. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's where we've always wanted to be. Right. Boy, you started with that's a good. doozy today, man. You're killing me here. Right. I'm all over the I'm place. I don't even know what I answered. I know. <laughs> I'm spent. I did. I know. Did I? I ran. Okay, let's take a second. Did I run all over the place? So did Did you actually get anything good out of that? Absolutely. You know, I think. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think those are the things. And uh, you know, now now every every uh, consecutive episode will be easy for you because we we did start this way. We, but I think that's the reality. Yeah. Now I'm not. Af- I'm not afraid anymore. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> Yeah. So, I, and I, and yet I think it, it is one of those things that, um, that kind of openness brings people to, uh, you know, Hey, yeah, I feel that way too. And, and, um, I'm connected to Heath and I know that he's doing what he loves and he's having an impact and wow, he still wakes up afraid and he's normalized it and he recognizes it and he still plows ahead. And I think we just need to, we need to all be kind of talking that way more. So I thought, I thought it was great. My my final piece when you just said that, listening to you say that, I think the right answer is I don't know what I would do without fear anymore. Yeah. If I was content, I would I would be the dude that's just sitting on the couch, you know, watching or playing video games all day. I was content in college. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I had food, I only had to do this a couple hours a day, and then I would skip that half the time. Right. Like what else and is then that? you're like yeah, and then I'm just gonna go out and go out drinking with your friends at night and play video games and cruise around, whatever. Right. That's I would be useless to the world. But that fear or the pile of responsibilities tends to lead you in the place you're supposed to go. I don't know. It's good. This is a good episode. Yeah, man. I have I I can't believe I talked that much and you were awesome. By the way, side note, you teed these things up so good you had like a whole list what a professional that's that's right good I job am, i'm a professional yeah. <laughs> podcast. i have two under my belt and I'm kicking ass. that's right uh, hey remember sucking is the first first step of being kind of okay there we go like, see that's you're not afraid most, man most, that's right what are you gonna do i don't know should we tell them we're both naked would that <laughs> would that be helpful and they will never listen again. <laughs> well, we're not putting it on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so this is the fear, fear and failure episode. There we go. Uh, this is uh, so. This is the book report, otherwise known as uh, "Write Drunk, Edit Sober." Mm-hmm. Should we call it the book report or "Write Drunk"? Edit I don't know. Sober? Jury's What's still out, man. I don't know. I like them both. I do like them both because it feels like you're editing sober, <laughs> and I'm just talking, and I'm talking drunk. That's good. That's really good. <laughs> I like that. Record drunk uh, edit. So perfect. Um, so yeah, we clipped uh, an hour. Oh my gosh, Shoot, no one's gonna listen to this. <laughs> listen to it in, in two x speed. You'll be good. Yeah, two. Try, totally. Uh, so this is Key Sarlos, and this is Michael Larson. And this is the book report. We we, we write drunk. We edit sober. This has been episode two. Uh, Fear and loathing and failure. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. Ta-da! Bye, everybody.